today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought Edition number 133. Why is it that the left really cares about not offending certain people while absolutely pissing and trampling on the feelings of other people? Selective sensitivity syndrome? Yep. Uh, we'll look at uh, and listen to some words from Joy Reid. What an absolutely hypocritical, angry, bitter woman who just, I don't know, I think she may be the bottom of the barrel. And we are going to introduce you to a crazy or stupid or stupidly crazy, maybe crazily stupid, uh, Jen Jackson, who is an absolute, uh, I don't know how this woman crosses the street by herself, frankly, uh, hates America, hates men, hates America. Did I mention she hates America? Race baiting, bottom feeding, and yeah, she writes for Teen Vogue. That's what the message we really need to give teen girls to be bitter and angry at everybody because patriarchy is racism, racism is patriarchy, blah, 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 blah. And a couple more things we'll get to all today on the Delegator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagen. Yep, kids, you heard it. Time to kick this pig. And away we go. This is uh, this is Sunday, September nineteenth. And I'm trying to remember. There's a specific reason that I always remember September the nineteenth, and I cannot remember why. Uh, my birthday's in three days. My parents' anniversary. Well, what would would be their anniversary if my father was still here? Would be tomorrow. I don't know. Why I'm supposed to remember September 19th? I don't know. Maybe it'll come to me. But let's kick this off with, uh, well, a little bit of audio from, oh, the joy that Joy Reid brings us. Doesn't she just a wonderfully warm human being? I mean, there's no coldness or callousness or bitterness or anger or ugliness in her personality. She's really just a saint, Saint Joy. And if you believe that, I've got uh, I've got some fabulous beachfront property in New Mexico for you. Also, some in Idaho. Lovely view of the Atlantic Ocean. A 
okay? And it also borders Greece. So you can just have your little passport, go from Idaho to Greece, enjoy the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, who knows what you could do there. Because if you believe that, you probably are somebody who would believe that Joy Reid is a joy-filled, fun person. And just have a listen to what Joy Reid is. She's a big big one for shaming people and and if you haven't been vaccinated you're a dumb redneck kick and you love trump and you're evil and you should die blah 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 but she's she's not always been that way she's one of these that was really hesitant about the vaccines i mean really didn't trust them at all uh when trump was still president have a listen to this utter sheer hypocrisy from this uh Walking, talking, sore on the ass of society. I, I, I understand the hesitancy you wanted. I mean, listen, I was hesitant. When Donald Trump was out there controlling the CDC yes. and controlling the FDA and manipulating right. them and making them put out falsehoods, anybody rational right. was hesitant. But the reality right. is now what, we, what I really fear is masses of more masses of people dying 666,000 people have died and disproportionately they look like you and me michael and what scares me is that people are creating a cultural imperative to set themselves up for death when the people pushing them to do it like tuckums are vaccinated and safe and even if they got covid are going to get all the monoclonal antibodies they could give a damn if Nicki minaj gets covid and dies they don't care about us well, my friends, wasn't that fun, that trip down memory lane? It appears that Joy Reid was all too eager to be hesitant and refuse the vaccine. I remember Joe Biden said the same thing, basically. Kamala Harris said the same thing numerous times. I heard her say it, uh, that uh, as long as uh, if, if she was going to take the vaccine, some of the media asked her that question. Well, it depends. If Trump's still president, I don't know if I trust it. I don't think I would. I don't. Uh, again, presidents don't make vaccines. So the fact that Trump was was really pushing the vaccines, getting them out, trying to save lives, doing his best for the country and for the American people really should not have been a political or ideological discussion over that, really. Same with President Biden. It, it, how they do things effectively as far as getting vaccines out or not, <clears throat> that's fine. But to to say that Trump wanted people to take a vaccine that no one knew what would do, or he wanted to kill people, or what just idiotic things, just because he was a president that Kamala Harris and Joy Reid and the rest didn't like. <clears throat> really despicable, quite frankly. And in that clip, there's, uh, if you watch it on Twitter, uh, Curtis Hout put it on his Twitter page, and uh, <laughs> there's Michael Eric Dyson on the right side of the split screen, uh, Curtis Hawk, by the way, is the the uh, uh, the managing editor at Newsbusters. <clears throat> so give him credit for this clip I found on, on Twitter. And here's uh, Michael Eric Dyson. Just oh, he just can't wait to to go into his race pin fact to make sure that he gets the publicity for being woke and trying to embitter as many people as he can to hate American by his books and continue to have him be a a professor and a a person of note for some reason when he's really, he's a race hustler and pretty easy to see through him and Joy Reid too. They say things that benefit them. Uh, really not good people. I guess I shouldn't be that judgmental, but uh, it's just interesting how Joy Reid 
does this, right? And and others on the left. When a, when a Republican president does it, evil has to be stopped. When a Democratic president does the same thing, oh, it's wonderful. It's it's I, I, I could cry right now. It's so wonderful. Complete and utter hypocrisy. Complete and utter liars. But you kind of know that already, don't you? Now let's go uh, to Twitter's uh, Twitter page of Bridget Gabriel. And she's, of course, famous for calling out a lot of, uh, I love jihadism, uh, exposing that uh, what radical Islam really is and how ugly and, and despicable things like, uh, well, the treatment of women under Sharia law, the, the treatment of everyone, especially women who are basically slaves to their uncle, their, their grandfather, father, older brother, whatever, the, their husband, whatever the authority male is in their life. Basically, they can be beaten, they can be raped, they can be treated however. They can be killed, basically, because they have to obey their husbands. Uh, it, is, it is despicable. But she uh, retweeted something from uh, a Twitter page. Of, I'm going to comment on one of Sorry about that, my friends. The libs of TikTok. Uh, put this out originally on Twitter. And it's the little teacher explaining why expecting students or asking students to stay in their seats, read quietly, study quietly, not uh, not interrupt other students, not run around the room, just basically acting like you're supposed to act in school. Why that's actually just nothing but evil white supremacy. This is... Uh, this is really, really rich, my friends. Uh, have a listen to this garbage. I made a comment on one of Miss April's recent videos about PBIS, in which I stated that PBIS is white supremacy with the hug. And a lot of y'all wanted to know more about that. So here we go. First of all, thank you to Jack Copa, who um, reminded me that um, Dina Simmons was the first to coin this term, so thank you, Jack, so much. So if PBIS concerns itself with positive behaviors, um, we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what are those positive behaviors? And it's things like making sure that you're following directions and making sure that you're sitting quietly and you are in your seat and all these things that come from white culture. The idea of just sitting quiet and being told stuff and taking things in in a passive stance is not a thing that's in with many cultures. So if we're positively enforcing these behaviors, we are by extension positively enforcing elements of white culture, which therefore keeps whiteness at the center, which is the definition of white supremacy. Well, how about that? Isn't that special? I mean, that's really special. So this clown... And I don't know what else to call him because he's not a teacher. He shouldn't be anywhere near teaching children anything. If you believe that it is best for, for students to be in a classroom to learn and kids are running around, kids are walking around, kids are doing whatever on their phone. Maybe they got a laptop with them. They're playing with each other. They're, they're doing whatever the hell they want to do. They're not paying attention to the teacher, not reading like they're supposed to be. They're not doing anything on the blackboard like they're supposed to be. They're not doing anything a teacher has instructed them to do. Somehow that benefits kids. And it benefits them, of course, because actually expecting children who aren't white to behave is, I mean, they're just not capable of it, right? 
Now imagine, <clears throat> imagine if you will, an alternative universe where you you could say that you know students who aren't white they we let them run around the class and do whatever we don't bother to teach them because it's just it's it's racist against them to expect them to learn anything or do any work or accomplish anything or make any things of themselves could anything be more racist and despicable sounds like something the clan would say it literally does but yet the left is pushing this garbage now as if they're doing a favor for for quote minority students and let's be honest <clears throat> they live in this completely unrealistic world where some kids can run around a classroom do whatever they want <clears throat> not stay in their seats not read not do homework not pay attention disrupt the whole class and that somehow benefits not only them but students who do want to learn and pay attention trying to learn whatever subject they're studying or math english whatever it actually benefits them too the idea that you you separate and delineate how you educate children based upon their race again paging the kkk you've been out racist by the wokers like this absolute moron this guy again he's as smart as a screen door in a submarine my friends but he's all woke. All he cares about is is preventing white supremacy. Thrilly, okay. This is the what is it? He calls it DIPS at the beginning. Uh, escapes me at the moment, but yeah, we, I mean things like this. So white. It's part of white culture, and that's no good for anybody, really. I mean, I guess we'll let the white bastards have it, but I mean the kids. The kids to see did, or learn however their race can learn. I don't know. Again, if your child is being taught by a moron like him, I, if I were you, I'd be hot as heck under the collar, and I'd be screaming at the school board principal, administrator, whoever it took to uh, fix that problem. This guy doesn't need to be anywhere near a classroom. Period. He's not only hurting, being basically he's being racist toward minority students, insinuating they can't, they have no patience, they can't, they can't sit still. He's also insulting and, and preventing any kids from getting a proper education. Imagine if every classroom and every school in America ran like that. How the hell would any child learn to read, write, do arithmetic, anything? They couldn't. But that'd be okay with the left because, well, we know what the left's about, don't we? And it ain't educating children, my friends. It's indoctrinating them and embittering them. And this is, uh, it's sick stuff. And, and you, it blows your mind that anyone could be this stupid and yet people hire him to teach? Good God. It's like, I don't know, it, it's like uh, it's like hiring a guy with no arms to be a, uh, uh, to work on a pit crew in NASCAR or something. What's he going to do? How's he going to help? He's not. And I'm not making fun of people with no arms. That's horrific. But I'm saying, you're, if you're not qualified to do a job, you shouldn't be hired to do that job. 
And this clown is just basically, I don't know what he's doing. Except screwing up the minds of kids. And that's not healthy, my friends. Not healthy at all. Now let's move on to something else. Also school related. A uh, website called Raised on Hoecakes, an American blog. He has a piece out here that is uh, quite interesting. You know, just a little over a week ago, 9-11, the, the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 uh, evil was, uh, was, was uh, here. And I remember last week in college football, it was just everybody had a patriotic this patriotic that all the flags everyone it was very nice very touching uh, the gators had a special logo special helmet with the american flag uh imposed on the gators lettering and every game you watch pretty much there was something patriotic but apparently if you go to east lake high school in the state of washington in the town of Sammamish, uh, or Sammamish, perhaps, I don't know how to pronounce this word, with 14 M's and uh, etc. in it. But in this town, well, on the anniversary of 9-11, this blog asks rhetorical questions. You have forgotten, you haven't forgotten, have you? Meaning, have you forgotten about 9-11? But here's the story. The students of a local high school, this is from MyNorthwest.com, were ready to wear red, white, and blue to honor the lives lost on September 11th. But school staff pulled the plug. Concern the expression could be racially insensitive and offend some people. How could it be racially insensitive? 2,997 people died of all races, religions, color, etc. They were Americans. And America on that day was going to celebrate, not celebrate the event, but honor the memory and also the sacrifice of so many uh, police officers, firemen, medics, doctors, nurses, average Americans who helped out, did everything they could all the rescue efforts, remember all that. And all the uh, the many illnesses that a lot of those people that first responders got. And some of them are no longer with us and have died way younger than they should have because of inhaling all that garbage at nine, uh, on, uh, from in New York when the Twin Towers fell. It was an incredible day in American history and incredible bravery and courage and unity. And... To honor that is somehow racist? Who's the numbskull that thinks this stuff up? But at East Lake High School in uh, this town of Washington, Sammamish, student leadership promoted a Patriots Day theme at a football game at Memorial Stadium against Rainier Beach. The game was previously canceled, then rescheduled to the day before the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks. In other words, it was going to be on September 10th, a Friday, kind of a typical day for high school football across the country is, is Friday. Uh, students wanted to do something to remember the tragic events, but staff, school staff intervened 
According to an email obtained by J the Jason Rance show on KTTH, the principal said wearing those colors, again, red, white, and blue, could unintentionally cause offense to some who see it differently. Who could possibly see it differently? Commemorating 9-11 and memorializing the people who died on that day, how, how does that offend anybody? I didn't know anybody that died on 9-11 in New York. Actually, I did. Uh, but he uh, he was not uh, in the the Twin Towers area. He was in a different part of the city, and I believe was was struck by a car on the same day. Uh, so I knew somebody I worked with that was in New York and died on that day. He didn't die in the terror attack. But if you know somebody and you want to memorialize them, or just if you're an American and you feel such loss and sorrow and you want to want to never let that memory be lost to your fellow americans how does that hurt anybody who the hell would be offended over that the only people offended over honoring those three thousand dead americans who not only died in new york obviously in washington the pentagon in uh, shanksville pennsylvania all those people you're memorializing three thousand of our fellow Americans, of all races, all religions, probably hit the complete spectrum of identities, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Who would be offended by that? The only people offended by memorializing these people would be people that are glad it happened. And if, if you were glad 9-11 happened, then I don't really care what you think. I don't care if you get your feelings hurt. I don't really care anything about you because you're a, 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 a person that I want nothing to do with and don't care about. I would say, yes, pray for your soul because you might not have one. If you're offended by, by commemorating 9-11 and honoring dead heroes and dead Americans and families, think how many mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, Girlfriends, boyfriends, fiancés, husbands, wives, grandparents, grandchildren were lost on that day. The pain for those people that lost those people is immeasurable. And if that offends you by commemorating that day, then that's a you problem. And no one with a, with a moral compass or a brain cell functioning in their skull should care what you think or feel. But the left is so afraid of offending some numbskull or some terrorist sympathizer. As the article, uh, as the uh, blogger here states, offensive to who? The 2,977 uh, 2, people who died that day? The over 6,000 people that were injured? Does anyone think that they are offended remembering 9-11 by wearing red, white, and blue? But, oh, this is the left we're dealing with, folks. And you should have seen this coming. It gets worse. Uh, East Lake High school students were not yet born when the terrorists brought down the World Trade Center in New York, attacked the Pentagon, and brought down the United 93 
flight, flight 93 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But their lives and the lives of every American were changed forever. Having a sense of history sometimes is lost on young Americans. But there was a student-led movement to honor those lost during the worst ter terrorist attack in our history. Students would show their pride by wearing red, white, and blue clothing. But the themed events was canceled by East Lake staff at the last minute. Students learned of the decision Friday morning during announcements. So again, Friday afternoon, evening was going to be when this, when this happened. At this point, uh, I was fairly upset and confused as to why the theme was changed. So I went around asking students and our leadership, this is what one student told Jason Rantz of uh, the Jason Rantz show on KTTH. They explained that red, white, and blue was going to be seen as racially insensitive. It may affect people in a way that we will not understand. And for that reason, we were to change our theme. So now colors offend people. Or maybe just certain colors offend people. Or just maybe certain colors together offend people. Well, look at most flags in the world. I don't know how many of them are red, white, and blue. But most, uh, tons of flags. So how do these people uh, look at a, uh, look anywhere? How do they look at a picture of the UN with all the flags? How do they ever travel anywhere with a red, white, and blue flag? I mean, who cares what they think, basically? One mother emailed Principal Chris Bede to ask what happened. She was shocked by the response our leadership teachers made this decision and explained it to students, Bede wrote. I know tomorrow is 9-11, and I understand the sacrifice and values our flag represents. But I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who might see it differently. Again, perspective. You are going and offending 99% of the people, probably even more than that. You're pissing and spitting in the face of these students who organize this, who, who it meant the world to. And why are you doing it? Because doing it might, might, might possibly offend someone. Is that the very definition of back asswards and stupid? I think it is. You're, that's, that's taking cutting your nose off to spite your face to levels I can't even fathom. Again, these are not people who should be in any leadership position. No common sense, no thinking, just emoting. Just, oh my God, we might possibly offend somebody so we can't do it. Everything you do in life is going to be offensive to somebody. Everything. Hell, if you're sitting outside at a restaurant eating something, someone might pass by whose diet excludes something you're eating. They may think that shellfish is evil or something. They may see you eating a pork chop or a ham sandwich and say, oh my God, I can't stand that. What are we supposed to do? Everyone live in a bubble? I know some people should live in bubbles. People that make decisions like this. Uh, associate principal uh, Darcy Breinert Shared the, same, shared the same statement with another parent who demanded an explanation. And there's an email here. And uh, Darcy Brainart, the, the associate principal at the school, Eastlake High, 
in Washington State. I understand your concerns and frustration. Our leadership teachers made this decision. They explained it to students. I know tomorrow's 9-11. I understand the sacrifice and values, but I think they just did not want to unintentionally cause offense to some who may see it differently. No brains. Uh, again, it, it is mind-boggling how far the left will go not to offend a miscreant somewhere. It is amazing how far they will go, how how much they'll bend over, bend over backwards till their head is completely up there. I think you get the picture. And I think that's how they live most of their lives, frankly. These are the same types of people who think that if you tell a black student or a Hispanic student or an Asian student, apparently anybody but white kids, tell them, hey, Sit in your seat, read your read the chapter I assigned you to read. It needs to be done by the end of class. When you get done, close your book and you can uh, you can study or, or do whatever you like, but stay quiet. Don't disturb the rest of the somehow that's racist now. Unbelievable, my friends. I don't know what else is unbelievable, at least to me. That a magazine like Teen Vogue. And no, I don't read Teen Vogue because I'm not a teenager. Oh, I miss those days. Getting out of bed without pain. Being able to run really fast and do all kind of stuff like that. Uh, but Teen Vogue has uh, people who write for it. And one of the people who writes for it is a woman named Jen M. Jackson, and she is, she's a bitter, angry black woman. She hates men, hates whites, hates America, hates everything because she's a victim. And she wrote a piece for Teen Vogue extolling the glories and wonderfulness of the squad. You know the squad, Ayanna Presley, the modern day slave master that she is. And, oh, AOC and Rashida Tlaib, the foul-mouthed congresswoman. And she extolled the, the glory of these women. How woke they are and how they're such victims of Donald Trump and the racists who run America. Trump was so mean to, to Presley and Tlaib and uh, AOC and I can't think of the fourth one all of a sudden. I'm sure she's a real gem. Uh, Ilhan Omar, that's right. The little ball of hate from Minnesota. The little ball of hate who married her brother. But she had a good reason to marry her brother. The one who we rescued gave a place in America from Somalia. And now she hates the country and does everything she can. Remember what she said of 9-11? That's what some people did something. Yeah, right, Elion. The little ball of hate. But this woman, Jen M. Jackson, is angry. And uh, this was written back in 2019 when some of this was going on. Uh, and she was telling, extolling the need for white lawmakers like Nancy Pelosi to stand up against the for the squad and against racism and Donald Trump 
and how the squad were all just victims. You kind of know the story. Uh, in their short time in office, these congresswomen have vocally and publicly demanded more ethical campaign finance laws and into migrant detention facilities. Yeah, you just basically open your borders up. How smart would that be? On the Mexico-U.S. border and federal enforcement of workplace sexual harassment violations. Their more radical positions on these issues have resulted in distance, not only between them and Republicans, but also within our own party. You know, some Democrats aren't that far gone yet that they want to embrace the radicalism and language of Presley, who's an, who's an extreme racist. Ayanna Presley is the congresswoman that basically told gay people, unless you vote like you're gay, to Hispanics, unless you vote like you're brown, and to blacks, unless you vote like you're black, shut up. We don't want to hear you. You don't have a voice. That's why I call her the modern-day slave master. Then you have Rashida Tlaib, who proudly had a map in her office of where Israel should be, but it all said Palestine. There was no Israel recognized. This from a pretty rabid anti-Semite who hates Israel. Why would anybody shy away from such a lovely person as that? AOC and her absolute idiocy. Why would anybody not want to embrace her? She's a ditz. Uh, and of course, of course, Rashida Tlaib, who also said of Trump, let's impeach the mother. That's very congressional language. And then Ileana Omar, who scandalous, scandalous, married her brother, hates America, dismissed 9-11 as something that some people did. Yeah, why would anybody be angry at those people and maybe not want to jump in and support them? But you have to understand who Jen Jackson is. And Pajamas Media has a nice little write-up about her. And, uh, well, the title of this by Robert Spencer is that Teen Vogue columnist, that will be Jen M. Jackson, he's talking about, takes the prize for dumbest 9-11 take of the year. And this was actually written on 9-11. Spencer writes, Teen Vogue is not so much a fashion magazine magazine for teenage girls as a hyper-woke propaganda organ that is devoted to making sure that young women and girls don't commit wrong think and stray from the leftist orthodoxy. The increasing anti-Americanism of leftists has been noted many times, but on Friday, a Teen Vogue contributor named Jen M., uh, the M's for mean, I think, Jackson took it to new heights, claiming that 9-11 was, listen closely, my friends, claiming that 9-11 was an, an attack on the heteropatriarchal capitalistic system that America relies on to wrangle other countries into passivity. Yes, it appears that now cheering for 9-11 jihadists has begun to be normalized for the left. Is that a surprise? I don't think so. So really what the 9-11 hijackers were doing, they weren't trying to kill people. They were trying to call out America for being so heteropatriarchal. Oh, my God. That's so rude to be heteropatriarchal. I'm sure these hijackers read uh, Teen Vogue all the time. Uh, right after they got through with their, their edition of My Sheep Monthly. Uh, but Jenny M. Jackson, you have to understand her. She's not an adult fashion writer who relaxes by dabbling into leftist agitprop 
She is, according to her Teen Vogue bio, bio, excuse me, an assistant professor at Syracuse University in the Department of Political Science. Her research focus is black politics with a focus on group threat, whatever the hell that is, uh, gender and sexuality, political behavior, and social movements. Sounds like her beliefs have a lot in common with some other movement that people have most every day and probably could be flushed down the toilet at the same time and we'd all be better off for it, frankly. Her website, her website, her words, adds that Jen M. Jackson, and of course it's important to note she identifies with the they, them. Okay, that's her preferred pronouns because you have to have your preferred pronoun these days. Uh, is a queer, that's how she describes herself. She's queer, gender flux, androgynous black woman, an abolitionist, a lover of all black people. She, uh, Robert Spencer apologizes for saying she, but he says my grammatical training won't allow me to use they unless she has multiple personalities. I think she does. I think it's crazy, crazier, and craziest. Also holds affiliate positions in African-American studies, women's and gender studies, and LGBT studies. And also in how to be a crazy, crazy, crazy person. Those studies, too. They are a senior research associate at the Campbell Public Affairs Institute at the Maxwell School at Syracuse University as well. Well, look at me. I'm about the most propagandized, crazy little Marxist ball of hate you've ever seen. I'm Jen M. Jackson. Nice to meet you. I hate you, you white son of a bitch. Um, but again, note that her website sums her up basically in four words. Abolitionist. What are you trying to abolish? If you're trying to abolish stupidity and insanity, look in the mirror. Start there. Organizer, writer, professor. Yeah, the professor... It's too bad we couldn't find a three-hour tour in an island for her to be stuck on so she could stop poisoning young minds. Very ugly human being, this Jen M. Jackson is. And again, the, the craziness. It's the, the craziness of these folks and the things they come up with that absolutely nothing but hatred for the West, Western values, America, Without and, and somehow they never recognize that American Western values, Western culture is the best thing to happen to blacks, any any religious minority, women, uh, homosexuals, bisexuals, anybody who's not white male, right, and a Christian. We're always hearing how these people are oppressed in the West. They have it great in the West. They're free to be all those things. You're free to be an atheist if you want to be the gay, straight, whatever. Now, I know they lie about America and say that these people are always stalked and killed and butchered and everything else, but it's just not true. They, she rails against the most tolerant nation on earth, the nation that came, comes close to espousing the value she claims, she fantasizes, she embraces, and yet she hates America. What she really hates, my friends, is you and me and our liberty and the Western way of life. She prefers, 
some form of uh, Marxism or totalitarianism. However you want to want to put it in, in your language, it's basically the same thing. Communism leads ultimately to totalitarianism. She's crazy. I mean, literally, she is off her rocker. And now time to get to a uh, little sports talk, little Florida Gators talk, if you uh, will bear with me, my friends. And finally, to wrap up, obviously, uh, I'm not real happy about the result of the game yesterday with the Gators losing to the Crimson Tide. Uh, when I got home, bringing my home, uh, my mother home from dialysis, it was uh, it was fourteen to three, and right off that, uh, Emory Jones, our quarterback, threw a pick as he shouldn't have thrown. It was a bad pass. Bama scored again. It's twenty-one-three. We're getting our butts kicked, and I'm thinking, you know what, Emory Jones needs to get out of the game. Uh, but our uh, his backup, Anthony Richardson, uh, who is an absolute stud at quarterback uh, he's 6'4 he weighs 240 pounds and he's had so far this year two 80 yard touchdown runs and i'm not talking about uh i'm talking about a guy who just breaks the line and runs away from everybody uh and he's made some good throws uh, he's he's kind of the future and he had a hamstring issue he couldn't play yesterday unless it was an emergency so after Emory Jones threw that pick, we went down 21 to 3. Something changed. We were about to get blown out. And then we stopped Alabama on their next drive. And we went down, scored a touchdown, make it 21 9. We missed the extra point, which would end up having a huge reason why we ultimately lost the game. Then. After that, Alabama got shut down again. We stopped them a second time. And we ran out of time before the half, before we get a field goal or another, maybe a field goal attempt. Went to halftime. We came out of the locker room, and we went right down the field to make it 21-16. Running the ball right down Alabama's throat. It was From the point it was 21-3, we ran for around 300 yards rushing, maybe more. Emory Jones stopped making dumb passes. He grew up. Our defense grew up. And it's 21-16. And probably the uh, the most painful drive for me was watching Alabama go the length of the field and converting on third down after third down. Alabama's a great football team. They have the best coach in all sports, Nick Saban. And they're a great football team, and they're loaded with talent. And they went down and scored. And what did Florida do? What did we do? How, what did we respond? We responded being down 21-3 by getting within 21-16 and running the ball well. Well, we got a real test because it's 28-16. Alabama kicks off. Our return man, for some reason, tries to catch the ball. He just wants a touchback. He bobbles it. It muffs it, and it rolls out of the end zone and out of bounds at like the one-half-yard line. This kid didn't realize that that wasn't a touchback. That means we started their next possession at our own one-half-yard line, 99 and a half yards away from the Alabama goal line. 
And at that point, it's like, oh, Alabama's going to stop us. They're going to score again. It's going to be all over. But something funny happened. After a couple incompletions, third and ten, it's looking really bad. And then Emory Jones hits the back coming out of the backfield, and he goes for like 30-something yards. Not only do we do first down, we get a huge run. Then that same running back breaks a long run. And next thing we know, it's 28-16, and Emory Jones is taking the ball, running himself about five yards into the end zone to make it 28-23. The crowd's going crazy. The swamp is alive with this Gator electricity. Alabama starts to move down the field. We hold them to a field goal. 31-23, then we get the ball back, and what do we do? All the way down the field, running it again down Alabama's throats. Best defense in college football? Probably. Alabama probably does have the best defense, or maybe it's us because the ways are, or we played yesterday. We went from 21-3 Alabama. The rest of the game we dominated. Let's be honest. We ran it down their throats. We ran the ball like we were Alabama with our stable of great running backs and our young quarterback who grew the hell up a lot yesterday. I think Emory Jones is is going to be so much better the rest of this year. And with Anthony Richardson coming back from his, his hamstring issue, you're going to get a two-headed monster at uh, – at uh, quarterback for Florida. Defense continues to play well. It's in our hands now. And hopefully we can get back and get to the SEC championship game, beating Georgia along the way. And we can uh, can get back get another shot at Alabama. And this time, instead of falling behind them, like we did in the SEC championship game by 18 points, falling behind yesterday like we did, falling behind by 18 points, we can actually start even with them and keep up with them. And instead of dominating them for the second half last year, instead of basically dominating them for three quarters, second, third, and fourth quarter this year, we can just dominate them the whole game, or at least beat them the whole game. I shouldn't say dominated. But we were clearly the better team for the last three quarters yesterday. And I think for the last half of last year's SEC title game, you got to give Bama credit. They're the best thing going right now. They're the standard. But they can be the bully on the block because you know what? The last two times we faced the bully on the block, when they punched us in the mouth, we picked ourselves off the floor. And what did we do? We busted them right in their choppers right back and kept doing it. And they kept doing it. And we stood up, and we proved not only can we hang with Alabama, we're as good as they are, talent-wise. Coaching-wise, I don't think anyone's better than uh, Nick Saban, but Dan Mullen's a hell of a coach. I got to tell you, saw a lot of really disappointed Gator fans that, that left. I was looking at Twitter feeds, and it's after the first quarter, no one said anything. Why? You quit on your team. You don't quit on your team. And they didn't quit on you. They put in a hell of a performance. Like I said, the defense suddenly realized, look at all the talent we have. We're a lot bigger this year up front. It's like it just dawned on them. Hopefully this will be the impetus for the drive forward and we'll end up in the college football playoffs. I don't know, but I know our future is extremely, extremely bright. 
with two great young quarterbacks, stable full of running backs. We are, uh, yes, receivers made some big plays yesterday. We don't have what we had last year in receivers. Good Lord, we were loaded. Uh, good offensive line. Had a couple injury there, injuries there yesterday that are worrisome. Hopefully they won't be too bad. But, folks, as a Gator fan, let me tell you what. I am very happy. I'm very enthused. And I'm looking forward, not backwards. Again, we danced, uh, danced the, uh, danced the fisticuff dance with the biggest bully on the block, and we held our own. And we left them with as many teeth missing as we had missing. So, again, go Gators. I always say that every episode. Go Gators. I bleed orange and blue. And you know what? Nothing makes me happier than when the Gators are good. And I think we got a good football team right now, folks. So if you're a Gator fan, hang your butt in there. Don't get on negative. You could be 0-3 like Florida State is. You could be. I mean, but not to pick on Florida State. I would never want to do anything to hurt the feelings of Florida State fans. Never. Never would want to pick on our rivals when they're down a little bit. Of course I would. But anyway, thank you for listening, my friends. God bless you. Remember, if you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And yes, always go Gators. Those who do wish to contribute to the Daily Gator Daily Thought Podcast and the DailyGator.com, two ways to do it. The quickest way is probably just go to the DailyGator.com. The first post has a little button that says buy now. It's a link to my PayPal page. Pretty easy. If you don't wish to contribute there, if you want to be maybe a monthly subscriber to the podcast, uh, you just go to Anchor by Spotify, anchor.doughagan, and you'll find my page, and you can sign up to be a monthly subscriber and contributor. Thank you if you do that. I also, of course, take money in envelopes underneath the front or back welcome mats on my home. Really, I'll take it anyway and get it. Let's be honest. Thank you very much, my friends, for listening morning, noon, or night. Whenever you listen, I do appreciate it. And all the usual advice, say your prayers, take your vitamins. Enjoy the day. Enjoy the day. Don't get too stressed and stay positive about this country and whoever your football team is best of luck this year your alma mater the college you just root for whatever best of luck to you unless you're florida state of course but anyway thank you for listening again take care we'll talk to you tomorrow on the 20th of september and no i still don't know why this day 919 sticks out to me I just can't figure it out. But anyway, thank you for listening, my friends. God bless you. Take care. Y'all knuckleheads be good. Behave.